Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for joining us. You may have heard about, seen, or even ridden on one of the many electric-powered scooters that have shown up in communities across Michigan, including in Detroit and in Ann Arbor. They are marketed as micro-ability, making it easy for people in dense downtown regions to get short distances very quickly. You find the scooters by GPS, you pick them up, pay with a credit card, and off you go. But there are also some potential drawbacks. You don't have to put the scooters back anywhere in particular so they can look scattershot or junky as they clog up the streets. They run out of battery power and must be located and recharged, and they are the only they are only placed in regions of the city with heavy density of young working people with smartphones and disposable income. So what are these scooters? What is the business model? And will they be a sustainable form of micro mobility in cities for years to come? That is where we want to begin the conversation this hour. These scooters that you see zooming through the streets here in downtown Detroit and other cities. What is the story behind these scooters? What kinds of problems are they causing? And how do we sort of Uh, acclimate to all of this? How do we change either regulation or the way we think about transportation in cities like Detroit to either accommodate these scooters or maybe try to get rid of them? Uh, As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. You can call us and talk to us all hour today about scooters. Uh, What do you think of them? Are you riding them? Are you annoyed by them? Are you worried that you might run into somebody on one of them, either in the street or on the sidewalk? Uh, Again, 313-577-1019 is the number. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page uh, and put comments there, or you can go uh, to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work you into the conversation. And joining us now to talk a little more about these scooters is uh, Laura Bliss. She's a staff writer at City Lab. She covers transportation infrastructure and the environment, and she has written about the scooter explosion in American cities. Laura Bliss, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah. So uh, let's first talk about this, this sort of phenomenon of these scooters. Uh, they seem to have just uh, shown up here in the city of Detroit overnight uh, at some point. Uh, but they have been in some other cities for a while. Talk about the companies that are putting these uh, scooters in cities and talk about what the, the aim, I guess, of all of this is. Yeah, absolutely. So this sort of overnight arrival of hundreds of scooters is an experience that dozens of cities um, in the U.S. have had over the last year. Um, so, And this really is just is in the last 12 months or so that companies like Bird, which I know Detroit is familiar with, um, Lime, Spin, um, and now increasingly Razor and other um, companies um, are essentially depositing um, their flocks, as they call them, at least in the case of Bird, um, on the streets of dense downtown core areas, um, generally speaking. Uh, Bird got its start in Santa Monica, which is sort of this beachside neighborhood in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, and the business model, as some of the listeners on, on the, the uh, 
on the radio right now might might know is is pretty straightforward. So you you pay up front a dollar per ride, and then it's about fifteen cents depending on the company that you're using um, every minute um, on top of that. So it's a pretty inexpensive way of getting around um, short distances within within these kind of downtown core areas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, when they decide to locate in the city, what is it that that these companies are thinking about in terms of who they want to be riding them. Here in Detroit, we're, we're seeing the stations in downtown and midtown, which are uh, sort of core, dense areas, also areas that are attracting a lot of new people here to the city. Is is that the model everywhere? Um, I think the key to the model is, I, I, I can't speak to what types of people that you know the companies are trying to attract, although certainly there are and have been um, equity issues raised in terms of who has access to these services. But mm-hmm. I think core to the business model, and this is true of other you know on-demand forms of transportation, core to the business model is really about density of demand, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. they know if they're going to be locating in a downtown area where there's just a high number of people per square foot, then they're going to have the best shot at getting the most rides um, out of a, a single day. Yeah. Um, uh, well, let's talk about the problems that uh, that crop up with these scooters. Of course, uh, the the most obvious is traffic issues, traffic on the sidewalk, traffic in the streets, uh, people trying to avoid either getting run over by a scooter or running one over. Uh, then there's the issue of, of litter, I guess, uh, because the model here is that you don't return the scooter to a station you just get off of it and leave it wherever you're you're going. Uh, th- those have already caused some interesting conversations here in Detroit in just a few weeks. Wh- what have we seen in other cities about the the sort of backlash to the scooters? Yeah, I just read that in Ann Arbor there was actually a, a confiscation of a few dozen scooters because mm-hmm. they were um, stored in the wrong area, um, and and that does seem to be kind of the the leading problem um, that folks are complaining about. Uh, is this sort of scooter blight issue? Um, so, and, and especially, I think in in you know uh, pretty pretty dense cities like San Francisco uh, and, and in um, Santa Monica as well, where there is a lot of sidewalk traffic, right, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of demand for the same kind of shared space. Um, you know, these companies are kind of coming in without their own protocol on how users should be storing the scooters, where they should be parking them. There's really no, there, ha- there hasn't been a lot of instruction on, on the part of these companies to users on, on how to do those things. And yeah. so, yeah, I think cities do feel like a little bit taken advantage of um, because, you know, sidewalks are in the public domain and meant to be shared. Yeah. Uh, the, the regulatory environment uh, for, for these things is also, I think, one of the, one of the question marks that, that looms over all of this. Uh, y- you have people riding these scooters that go up to, I think, 15 miles an hour. Most people don't have helmets on. Uh, they also are riding in the streets, sometimes against traffic, uh, sometimes crossing uh, traffic. Um, uh, are other cities having to rethink the way they they set up the rules for for using these things, uh, or or are, are they integrating more smoothly into into these other cities? Yeah, we are seeing definitely some experiments in in regulation um, in different cities. So Santa Monica is wrapping up a pilot uh, where they did make some safety requirements of the different companies um, 
LA as a city more broadly is about to launch, uh, just, just launched earlier this month a set of new regulations. And, and San Francisco prominently, you know, banned all the scooters for a couple of months um, earlier this summer and spring. Um, and, and just a few weeks ago came out with their kind of ranking of scooter companies that they think they're going to permit going forward. And safety was definitely at the top of the list there um, in terms of how the companies are instructing users to, to ride the scooters. Um, yeah, I think, I think safety is an issue. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's that sidewalk issue. I think cities want to be really protective of this sort of increasingly, uh, you know, contested public space that is um, the sidewalk and, and bike lanes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is Laura Bliss. She's a staff writer at City Lab. She covers transportation, infrastructure, and the environment. She's written about the scooter explosion in American cities. We are seeing our own scooter explosion right here in southeast Michigan, Detroit, Ann Arbor, uh, some other places where the scooters seem to show up overnight and people started riding them on the sidewalks and in the streets, leaving them wherever they uh, end their journeys. And so there's this question of uh, scooters being all over the place, maybe littering uh, the sidewalk and the streets. Uh, what do you think of these scooters? Are you riding them? Uh, are you trying to avoid hitting people who are riding them? Are you trying to avoid getting run over by someone riding a scooter a scooter on the sidewalks? Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 uh, is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page. Put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Todd and Royal Oak. Todd, welcome to Detroit Today. Uh, good morning. How are you, sir? Good. How are you? I'm well. So uh, my, my short and brief comment would be, um, I think I guess it's twofold. One, I believe that they're rather dangerous for a novice individual to go ripping down the road on one of these things and hit a curb. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I work in the city, and... Um, I'm the maintenance engineer for the Fillmore Detroit, hmm. and hmm. we have had people uh, coming down the sidewalk and almost running into patrons. We've had folks who are leaving the business that is adjacent to our building coming out, and I saw one of these kids almost go through a glass door the other day. Hmm. Uh, there was a young lady who hit a curb and fell and, and injured herself uh, pretty pretty good right in front of our building. And you know, and, and where does the liability lie? If, if I walk out, and somebody hits me as I'm leaving my business. Yeah, sure. And I'm laying on the ground with a broken arm, and this dude gets up or whomever runs off. Do I go after the scooter company? Do I go after the city for allowing it to happen? You know, right. it's, uh, it's a lot of gray matter. Yeah, Todd, uh, I really appreciate the call uh, and the insight there, especially from one of the businesses located along Woodward Avenue, which is the place I think we're seeing most of these scooters or more of these scooters uh, zipping up and down the sidewalks and the streets. Uh, Laura Bliss, the, the, those are some interesting questions about liability, uh, for instance, and and about injury uh, f- as a result of these scooters. Are How are other cities seeing that unfold uh, as these scooters take over? Yeah, you know, it's a really good question. I, I, I can't answer the specifics about liability issues. I'm mm-hmm. not sure how that's played out in the small number of uh, scooter injury cases that hospitals have seen, which 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 they have they are starting to see, and, and I think there for sure is concern uh, per this caller's um, uh, observation that there will be more and more scooter injuries um, on the rise. But I, I do think I, I want to make the point that, um, you know, scooter advocates and active transportation advocates make 
uh, more generally when they look at these scooters, you know, which is that this is a mode, and this is also like the argument that companies like to make, um, but this is a mode that has the potential to take people out of cars, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and especially for the short distances, downtown trips, or, you know, a connection to a transit trip, possibly. Um, it, it has the potential to take people out of cars, out of ride-hailing trips, that sort of thing, which means fewer cars off the road, as well as fewer opportunities for people to get into car crashes, right, um, which right. happen all the time. Um, you know, if there were 40,000 uh, vehicle-related deaths in 2017. So I think that, you know, in in the sort of scooter side of things, people people try to look at this um, relative to other forms of transportation. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Laura Bliss, staff writer at City Lab. Thanks very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to pivot now and welcome somebody else to the conversation. Anastasia Lukaitu Sedaris is an associate dean at the UCLA Luskin School of Public Affairs and a professor with the Department of Urban Planning. Uh, Anastasia, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Uh, I should also say she uh, is part of a video that takes a look at uh, the battle over scooters on our sidewalks and in our streets here in America and tries to put it all in a little bit of an historic uh, perspective. What is the purpose of our sidewalks, for instance? How do we see sidewalks for pedestrians versus uh, vehicles or other kinds of things? And what's the sort of development over time of the way in which we use those things? Um, so, Professor Lukaitu Sedaris, let's start with this. Uh, bring us up to speed. What's what is the history of American city mobility that leads us to this micro commute uh, vehicle like these scooters? Yes, sure. Uh, so let me tell you a little bit about uh, the sidewalks uh, because they have quite a contested history and uh, quite a lot of uh, uses that then uh, disappeared in favor only of uh, pedestrians and then they have started um, reappearing again uh, but with a lot of uh, conflict. So very early on, uh, talking about in the 19th century, the first sidewalks were not built by by cities, they were built by the adjacent businesses Mm -hmm. Uh, and then we start seeing towards the uh, middle in the 19th century cities getting into <laughs> the sidewalk business but in throughout the 19th century and early 20th century sidewalks were certainly for for walking uh, but people were walking all over they were not only walking on the sidewalks they were walking on the street sure. uh, there were a number of uh, uh, vehicles on the street horses omnibuses but they were sidewalks were also uh, used for other purposes they were used sometimes in uh, downtown areas for public speaking. They were used to sell goods. We have a lot of um, uh, peddlers on on the sidewalks, especially in large cities like uh, New York and Chicago. Uh, Sometimes uh, people use the sidewalks uh, for protests. So uh, we have all these uses and all these people uh, mingling on the sidewalks, and sidewalks were quite vibrant in large cities. towards the end of the 19th and early 20th century. Things start changing uh, with uh, the coming of the automobiles. And uh, cities start, especially when the first crashes start occurring between uh, automobiles and pedestrians, we start uh, cities 
um, having cities regulating uh, the sidewalks. Mm-hmm. We start seeing all these ordinances uh, that regulate uh, who can be on the sidewalks in terms of selling, um, try to take away what they called uh, sidewalk obstructions, which were typically uh, goods that uh, merchants would, would put on the sidewalks. So at the turn of the 19th century, we start seeing these first ordinances, which become many more as the automobile proliferates. Mm -hmm. And we start seeing the street becoming a much more regulated place where we have the roadway for the vehicles and people walking on the sidewalks. And from the 1930s onward, we start seeing the sidewalks being um, regulated specifically for pedestrians. Uh, and I, I had argued in, in a book, actually, by the title, Sidewalks, that this regulation ultimately led to uh, the emptying of, of the sidewalks, even uh, for pedestrians, because as you, cities started taking away a number of these social uses of mm-hmm. sidewalks, mm-hmm. the sidewalk become uh, only a space for pedestrian walking, and eventually, and as mixed uses start disappearing from many areas, the sidewalk become a, a less interesting, less fu- uh, functional space, and people start disappearing. And in many places, uh, the sidewalks are empty. I'm talking mostly about central areas, downtown areas, because mm-hmm. um, in the suburbs, some of the suburbs around uh, the U.S., some have uh, sidewalks, others do not, and they're usually quite empty. <laughs> and, and so let's talk about the, the appearance of the scooter into this sidewalk environment uh, here in the early 21st century. Is this, uh, is this a continuation of the sort of evolution of, uh, of mobility and, and transit uh, via sidewalk, or is this sort of an interruption uh, of those I, I would say it is definitely a, a, a new phase. Uh, we started seeing in the last uh, 10 years much more interest in walking and definitely much more interest in alternative means of transportation other than the, the automobile. Uh, the cities up to a couple of decades ago and still now U.S. cities are much more dominated by the automobile and for a number of reasons, health, um, energy efficiency, um, people have started thinking of alternative modes. That's why we saw a bit of uh, interest in in cycling as well, increasing. Mm-hmm. And so this is definitely a new phase that we're entering in with uh, advocacy for uh, alternative means of uh, transportation. And I would say that many cities are interested in these alternative means. Mm-hmm. But one of the issues, and that's what I feel it is, quite a lot of the conflict has to do with if there are available spaces for the scooter to run. And uh, there is a lot of um, conflict about sidewalks, partly because a lot of sidewalks are quite inadequate in American cities. Mm. With uh, cities giving everything to the automobile, they have many cities widened the streets at the expense of the uh, the sidewalks. Uh, if just compare the widths of sidewalks in American cities with, let's say, cities in Europe, and you see that uh, sidewalks are quite narrow in most cases. Um, so there are a number of uh, conflicting uh, uses. These narrow sidewalks sometimes have to accommodate a bus shelter. They have to accommodate a tree well. Uh, what they call street, what we call street furniture, sometimes uh, benches, uh, mailboxes, etc. So you have 
limited space. Mm-hmm. And so with the scooter trying to claim some part of the space mm-hmm. and zigzagging around people, that creates conflict and potential for injuries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, the, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Peter on Twitter says, uh, if adults want to ride those silly scooters, let them. They aren't any worse than people on bicycles. The only concern should be for teens and preteens who might rent them. And as with a bike, I just encourage riders to wear helmets. Mike on Twitter says, let's not trick ourselves into thinking these, quote, innovations are actual fixes to a city's transportation infrastructure. These are gated transportation transportation solutions. Uh, they exclude the elderly, the disabled, and mm-hmm. the poor. Uh, great great points, uh, uh, both of those, from uh, our, our Twitter uh, uh, chatter here. Um, let's go to uh, let's go to Nick in Royal Oak. Nick, welcome to Detroit today. Hi. Uh, hey. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, so I was actually just this weekend out on uh, bikes with eight or nine of my friends. We just kind of did a, you know, a little our own impromptu bike tour of the city going to a couple different breweries and stuff. And it got me thinking, um, you know, in this conversation uh, about a devil's advocate argument, I kind of wanted to pose to you guys. Um, You know, when we were going around, we certainly saw a ton of people on these scooters in, um, you know, on the sidewalks, but also in the bike lanes, in the streets, similar to the, you know, the paths that we were traveling Mm -hmm. and, you know, in my own background, um, you know, I'm an ER doctor. I see people come in, you know, every day for um, bicycle versus car accidents or sure. pedestrian versus bicycle accidents. And so I guess the argument I, I would post to it is similar to what Peter from Twitter had said. Um, I'm not certain that the that these scooters are necessarily any more dangerous or appreciably more dangerous, at least, than um, than bike traffic is. And, mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. not to say that, you know, that we should get rid of bikes because I actually think it's great that we're seeing somewhat of a revival of biking or at least, you know, biking for the first time, um, you know, more so in, in Southeast Michigan. But, yeah. uh, you know, there's also kind of like these complicated issues here where I think there's a bit of a culture in, in Southeast Michigan where weirdly we ride our bikes on the sidewalks a lot too. Yeah. Um, which is kind of, you know, to my understanding, unique. And so I don't know, I kind of wanted to get your guys' mm. thoughts on that because uh, mm-hmm. I, I think it's fairly similar to the issues that we have in the area with cycling sure. as well. Sure, uh, Nick, thanks very much for the call uh, and the and the question. Uh, Professor Lukaidu Sedaris, uh, what do you think of what Nick is, is saying there? Well, he, he does have a point, but uh, for me, this is the wrong argument as to which mode of transportation is um, the more dangerous. I think both uh, biking and scootering uh, entail uh, dangers. Uh, we do not need to ban them by, by no means. We have to try to find, them, to find ways to make them safer. And as with bicycling, cities have started taking measures like creating protected uh, bike lanes, uh, not allowing cars to go uh, very close to bikers. You can get a fine and all that. I think um, cities and technology should help make uh, the scooters 
easier to ride and, and safer. Uh, mm-hmm. There are some innovations that are starting. I was just uh, reading about the city of San Diego that uh, in combination with one of the scooter companies, they're going to have uh, geofencing where uh, the city virtually would know if someone um, enters with a scooter, an area that they're not supposed to enter. Um, they are thinking about an app that people can uh, report if someone uh, can report to the city if someone drives a scooter dangerously. So these are some of the technology measures Mm -hmm. to help uh, scootering become safer. But the cities can try to allocate more space for the scooters through design, uh, design of the street, maybe in the future creating some zones uh, next to the sidewalk, uh, next to the parked cars that are dedicated for scooters. Mm-hmm. Uh, the big uh, issue comes in the conflict when the scooters get on the sidewalks, which is uh, a lot of cities have banned, actually, and start zigzagging. And it is true, as one of the previous callers mentioned, that it is the most dangerous are more of the vulnerable users, like uh, people who are disabled or kids, or especially older people. Uh, so as long as we try to make uh, – and, and cities are working, trying to work this out. That's why they have pilot mm-hmm. programs, and the companies um, are also to their interest to work this out. Uh, it is a very new mode, and we haven't figured it out exactly, <laughs> but I think that um, – Within uh, pretty soon, we, we are going to see kind of safer uh, riding because of design, uh, policy, and technology changes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anastasia Lukaitu Sedaris, Associate Dean at the UCLA Luskin School of Public Affairs and professor with the Department of Urban Planning. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you very much for having me. Mm-hmm. Up next, we're going to talk about who these scooters are for here in Detroit. Uh, Also, don't forget, if you have to miss any of today's show, you don't have to miss out on the conversation. Just go to iTunes or wherever you download podcasts. Download and subscribe to Detroit Today and uh, take us with you. Uh, Listen when you are ready. Stay tuned and stay tuned on the phones. Geronimo in the Cass Corridor, Amanda in Detroit, Gene and Clausen. We will get to you next. And if you want to join the conversation, 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking this hour about the battery powered scooters we've seen crop up in cities throughout Michigan, including right here in Detroit. And we want to spend the rest of the show talking about how mobility plays in the lives of Detroiters, both those who are new to our city and those who have lived here. For a long time or maybe even their whole lives. We talk a lot on this show about divisions, the stark divisions that we see in Detroit these days, rich and poor, black and white, downtown and neighborhoods. And sometimes those divisions get highlighted for us in ways we don't anticipate. Andy DeRossi, who is the founder of the Detroit Bus Company, didn't anticipate what he saw the other night as he was collecting bird scooters to recharge them. The scooter company pays anyone who is willing to collect scooters that have dead batteries and charge them up. Andy found a bunch of dead scooters 
in low-income neighborhoods. And what he didn't expect to see was children playing with them. They were using them as regular, unpowered scooters. The experience raised complicated questions for Andy. Who are these scooters for, and who aren't they for? What has the sudden appearance of these scooters in Detroit told us about the gaps that exist between and among us as Detroiters? That's where we want to continue the conversation here on Detroit Today. And as always, uh, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones if you want to join the conversation. I want to welcome Andy DiDerosi, who's the founder of the Detroit Bus Company, has been collecting bird scooters to recharge them for cash uh, to the program. Andy, welcome to the studio. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, also with us is James Fegan. He is a local entrepreneur and consultant and a Detroit native. James, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. And we've got David McGee, who is the program director, leading the Skillman Foundation's Youth Development and Youth Employment Programs. David, welcome back to Detroit Today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So, Andy, let's start with you. Uh, I, I saw your posts on social media, uh, first about going around and collecting these scooters, and then about this sort of unanticipated uh, discovery that, uh, that that you made about where these scooters were ending up and who was using them. Uh, let's talk about uh, what you learned. Yeah, so the, the, the app shows you where the dead scooters are to go charge. And so they put little pins on a map and you go chase them down. And some are really easy to find. Uh, and some you get there and they're not there. And, and I was picking them up at you know midnight. So there's nobody out. Uh, all the pins are, are, are where scooters are supposed to be and they're not. And I, so one of these housing complexes I went back to at about 6.30 and there were 12 kids outside and they mm-hmm. had four different scooters that they were kicking around uh, that were long dead. And so they don't show up on the... The map anymore because they can't update their location uh and they were just using them as toys and I, I talked to him about it and they were just like yeah it was on the corner we're we're using them like mm-hmm. they they were like of course i'm gonna use this thing um and so like i I've, I've kept my eyes out as i pick up scooters i've been doing it for about a week now uh and they're everywhere and kids are using them and and young adults uh older adults everyone's using these things as kick scooters now uh-huh, uh-huh. uh and it seems not a terrible uh, leap uh to go from what you're seeing when you pick up these scooters to questions of play uh the space to play the encouragement to play in this city and sort of the gap between uh, what we think of as play in places like downtown and midtown, and what's play looks like in uh, neighborhoods for for kids in the city. Until two months ago, scooters were toys. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you ask someone like what a, what a scooter was, they'd say, "Well, that's a kid's toy." And now they're a, a transit tool, and there <laughs> there might be an awesome future for them. Uh, but to kids, they're like, "Yeah, that's a scooter. Like that's my thing." Yeah, right. Uh, and and the you know, I bought a couple of Razor scooters for my kids. Uh, when they were little, uh, yeah. and I would never have thought of them, I think, as a, a way for adults to get around uh, downtown Detroit. Uh, right. But here we are, and there are there are hundreds of these things uh, zipping up and down the streets. Uh, James Fegan, uh, you're somebody who I think uh, pays a lot of attention to uh, these kind of disparities that crop up uh, that we that we notice here in the city of Detroit and the way that things are changing, the kinds of opportunities that are cropping up in certain parts of the city, the kinds of opportunities that maybe are not as prevalent uh, in other parts of the city. 
my observation about the scooters is that it's a reminder to us of some of those gaps that exist, right? The, the, the idea that, uh, that kids in some places don't have a lot of places to play, that we don't focus on play as much as we should or as we used to in this city for kids who live here. But now we have these companies who are providing scooters uh, downtown and in midtown for adults, and it's for transportation. But let's be honest, it's also for fun. I mean, if you watch anybody on these scooters, they're having a good time riding them around. Uh, I I think it's a reminder to us to, to, to sort of stop and think about what some of these distinctions and gaps look like. Well, you said three key words there. Mm-hmm. Um, focus. Only three, James. <laughs> <laughs> focus, stop, and think. Uh-huh. So when I hear focus, you know, Detroit over the last, you know, you could say five years, ten years, it rapidly increasing at different stages, uh, it's become this, for some folks, like a laboratory, mm-hmm. you know. And for folks who have been here for a while, it's like, okay, I'm hungry and I need this meal. Mm-hmm. And then... Every six months, three weeks or whatever, I get this thing that has nothing to do with this meal I'm trying to make. And it's like, but here, it's great. I love it. <laughs> I thought of it. You know, and so we're constantly like there's some folks to get caught up in the the conversation about this isn't what I asked for. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so that's a valid place to be. And then how the the ingredients present it. And then I just chose at some point to start looking at it and say, okay, like, all right, how can I use this thing? Mm-hmm. So Birds came from a place, a market-driven place, from folks that had this great idea. You can't see air quotes on the right. radio. So just leave a bunch of scooters all over the place and then let folks ride them right. with certain criteria, which Andy, I guess, will get into. And then a lot of folks are like, but this isn't what I asked for to solve my transit issues. But then it becomes a thing just like, okay, how can we use this? And I just really try to stay in that mindset. Yeah. So, you know, Andy with his, you know, and good-hearted has always become an insult lately. But with his good-hearted nature, <laughs> looks to dive in and, like, troubleshoot on the fly and solve problems and share things. Right. And so now he's, you know, he's checking out the, the how the whole charging process works right. and the repair process works, and he finds himself engaging these kids. Right. And it's like, okay, again, how do we use this? Um, because you've got this thing that may be made for adults, but who knows – if if we get this thing right, it mm-hmm. can't be a thing that five years from now a kid's like, you know, I save for college charging scooters. Right. <laughs> right. You know? right. So I look at that goalpost five years and I was like, mm. okay, what interventions do we make now in terms of what local innovations we put into play? Yeah. What conversations we have with Bird or whoever else it is right. to build out the necessary infrastructures of these kids who obviously have access to the scooters now get to have a different relationship with them instead of that's not for you. Right, right. Uh, I mean, in some way, I, I always think of these new things that get introduced to, to our city. Uh, it, often they brush up against uh, things that have been here, issues that have been here, people that have been here. And again, they do it in unexpected ways, and we get unexpected outcomes from the sort of interaction of those things. And, uh, you know, I mean, this is a place where we can have arguments about just about anything. Uh, but but one of the things I like about what you're saying, James, is, is you know, uh, let's figure out what this could be. What could this look like? What use could it have for uh, for the folks who are, who are here? And for kids in neighborhoods, uh, the opportunity to play 
uh, is an issue. Uh, it's one of the things that I think we don't do very well here in the city of Detroit. These scooters might be might be an entree to that. Play as well as, you know, I'm all about earning. So yeah. you know, how do they earn? <laughs> James how thinking about learn, paychecks, How right? do they learn how to put them together? How do they learn right. how to launch their own bird? Uh-huh. You uh-huh. know, that's ultimately where I look at something like this. Yeah. Uh, David, uh, the Skillman Foundation and, and, and some others have really focused on the importance of play and space to play and and sort of started taking a look at how we do how we measure up mm-hmm. uh, in Detroit in that way and it's it's not good uh, it's very different than it was for instance when I was a kid here growing up in the 70s and 80s and you know every neighborhood had a rec center and basketball courts that were maintained by the city I, I had tennis courts two blocks from my house that uh, the city maintained that's how I learned to play tennis uh, those things have gone away and we haven't we haven't replaced them with uh, with other things that uh, indulge the idea of play or just make sure that people have the place and encouragement to do it. No, you're right. I mean, not only are the challenges that a lot of young Detroiters face larger in scale, the, mm-hmm. the physical um, footprint in which they live in, <laughs> the city in and of itself is, is a large city, right? So as we look at the work that we've been focused on on the, philip- on the philanthropic front, it's really around three things. One, how do we expand the time Mm -hmm. and places and the ways in which kids learn Mm -hmm. in general, right? Mm -hmm. So how do we expand that? Secondly, how do we deepen program quality and improvement so young people will actually want to participate in those out-of-school time Mm -hmm. opportunities? But most importantly, and I think it runs parallel with this conversation we're having about scooters, is how do we enable the community at large to share in the responsibility of ensuring Mm -hmm. the future for the next generation of young Detroiters. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's where this opportunity presents itself. Um, we aren't suggesting that, you know, Burden Alliance should change their business model or their delivery, but I do think it opens up the door to spark a notion of creativity for any young entrepreneur out there, any sector, any um, business leader to mm-hmm. come up with additional creative ways to meet the needs of, of young people in Detroit. Yeah. Uh, and, and you guys are working on some things right now that, that, that really focus on that. And hopefully in five years or 10 years, yeah. this whole thing looks different in Detroit. We hope so. I mean, Detroit is one of the few major cities, and many people may not be aware of this, that has no dedicated public funding for out-of-school time activities for right. kids. Right. Which, which, again, is not, it wasn't always true. Wasn't always true. And we want to make sure that regardless of what neighborhood you live in, regardless of what zip code that you actually call home, that there are a robust set of opportunities for you to participate in um, during non-school hours. Now, what it does, in addition to help the growth and development of the young person, it increases safety across the community. It also creates an opportunity for parents to have a safe haven Mm -hmm. while they're participating in work and things like that, because young people have a consistent place to... um, to participate in. And we're seeing some of those things as it pertains to transportation. There's the goal line that is launched yeah. right in Northwest Detroit. So we're seeing those opportunities. But how do we ensure um, and, and, and th- this is a point I really want to drive home. How do we ensure that opportunity in and of itself, as we talk about internally, isn't random? Right. right. How, do, how do we ensure that it that it isn't random? And as most recently as yesterday, we were having this conversation around the curb cut effect. Hmm. Right. The curb cut effect when the cut was actually put in curbs right. across the country, it was actually designed to meet the needs of the most vulnerable, those who are disabled. Right. But each and every one of us use that curb cut for our stroller. If we're going <laughs> to the um, airport, we use it to roll up our luggage. And I think that that's an example is that when you focus on and prioritize those who are most marginalized, it actually benefits everybody. Yeah. 
Uh, okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about scooters and play and access and the city of Detroit. Stay with us. Stay with us on the phones, too. Bruce and Dearborn, Amanda and Detroit, Abdul and Frazier, Geronimo in the Cass Corridor. We will get to you next. Uh, the number on the phones, as always, is 313-577-1019. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests are Andy DeRossi, founder of the Detroit Bus Company, James Fegan, who's a local entrepreneur and consultant and a Detroit native. Also, David McGee, who is the program director who leads the Skillman Foundation's Youth Development and Youth Employment. We're talking about scooters and mobility. We're talking about scooters and children and uh, who the scooters that have shown up around the city of Detroit are for. Are they for uh, the folks who live in downtown and midtown for quick trips getting back and forth? Or could we think larger about uh, something like this, an innovation like this? Could it be something that helps address the gaps in play, uh, the ability for kids to play in the city, the opportunity for kids to play in the city. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work you in. Uh, let's go to Sandy in Midtown. Sandy, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, Stephen. Thanks hey. for having me on. Uh, I just wanted to say that in relation to the children uh-huh. and the birds, um, this is a mobility issue, and this is a fundamental rights issue. Um, this is how a child can get to school. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I grew up in New York City, and we used to get bus passes. Mm. And that was provided by the school, for example. So whether it's through the school uh, educational program, as soon as a child is enrolled in school, they should have a card that they can swipe and get it onto a bird. Well, that's an interesting that's idea, mm-hmm. right? Um, mm-hmm. I uh, mean, why, if we're not doing that, what are, then what are we doing? You know? <laughs> right, right. Sandy, that's a great uh, that's a great idea, and I'm glad you called and uh, interjected that into the conversation. Andy, you started the Detroit Bus Company as a way to try to fill gaps uh, in our transportation infrastructure here uh, in Detroit. This, this scooter uh, experience of yours has also taken you now to, to, to thinking about how these scooters might uh, might fill those gaps as well. Absolutely. I mean, when you when you use a bus to solve a transit issue, you, you need to bring a lot of people to that bus to make it make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, with scooters, you have individual transit, and so you can you can fill that that what they call the last mile in a neighborhood uh, or the only mile in the neighborhood to get to get around and to get around effectively. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've reached out to Detroit librarians uh, and people who run uh, community centers to see is there a way that we can put some scooters in these places that kids can use. Um, because they know how to check out assets. A lot of libraries do bicycles. They can also do scooters. Yeah. Um, and then we also want to talk to Bird and Lime and see about getting scooters out into the neighborhoods. I mean, why don't we have what they call nests out in the neighborhoods that people right. can use? Because we find them out in the neighborhoods all day. Uh, I, I found a bunch out at 94 and uh, Van Dyke, but that means they took a ride out that way one way. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. But you can't pick it up there to come back because it's dead. Right. Um, so why don't we have these nests throughout the city? Why don't the we have the nests so that you could... 
uh, plug them in and and charge them. I guess. Well, the, the you scoop the scooter up to charge it. You bring it back to your house to charge it and then drop it off in the morning. But the nest is where the charged, ready to go scooters are. Okay. So it's the origin point for the start of your commute. Yeah. 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 Uh, again, uh, thanks very much for the call uh, and the questions there. Let's go to Geronimo in the Cast Corridor. Geronimo, welcome to Detroit today. Yes. Hello. Um, Long time Detroit resident, born and raised. Uh-huh. Long time listener. Uh-huh. Um, these scooters. I love the fact that Detroit has finally gotten with it with giving like bike lanes and rights to people riding bikes. And these scooters are just like shooting all over the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so- literally, it was like and. They act like they own the bike lane. I'm like, no, dude, I'm pedaling. You're on a little <laughs> electric motor. Yeah, so that's I mean, that's a really interesting. It's a really interesting objection. A biker who doesn't like the scooters. Geronimo, uh, I think uh, that's sort of an interesting. Uh, <laughs> that's sort of an interesting development. But uh, but thanks very much for the call. Uh, and and the comments and uh, you know I think we've still got a lot of callers who just want to talk about the birds and the, the scooters uh, themselves. Let's go to Amanda in Detroit. Amanda, welcome to Detroit today. Hi, thank you. Uh-huh. Um, my comment is I live downtown, and Monday night um, when we had uh, the Lions playing and the Tigers game. Um, after dark, I nearly got um, hit by a couple of scooters that were going around the corner by the Opera House. And we have a lot of um, visitors that come down. It's a novelty um, and um, a lot of drinking and excitement. And I think it would be helpful <laughs> to have um, scooters maybe on the weekends or in the evenings um, stop where they're disabled after, like just before it does. <laughs> Get rid of them before the event yeah. so that well, they're not running point. into people. So we don't have dr- drunk scooter drivers. Yeah. Um, no, and another um, caller mentioned that it's similar to bicycles on this, um, and I, on the sidewalk. However, bicycles um, seem to go a little bit slower and take a little caution when they're sharing it with um, pedestrians. And the scooters, being an ability, um, they often go full speed. Yeah, yeah. Amanda, thanks very much. I, uh, until a few weeks ago, lived downtown and uh, experienced some of the same things with uh, with these scooters and, and the way that they are uh, sort of taking over the sidewalks and, and the streets. Uh, again, appreciate uh, the call and the questions. Um, uh, David McGee, uh, I w- want to turn a little back to this question of uh, play and access here mm-hmm. in the in the city of Detroit. Um, do you think that things like these scooters are um, can they be catalysts for answers to that to those issues? I mean, is this an opportunity for us to all sort of uh, row together in the same direction uh, on these uh, on these questions? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I, I think um, logically um, and in theory, yes, right? So I think that there is a moment in a subset of individuals who will be able to use this as a, as a vehicle mm-hmm. um, of access to an, a point of opportunity, right? I think that's the next step. We have the conversation around does this increase access, but access to what? When individuals um, hop on a scooter, they're going some where uh-huh, uh-huh. They're, they're, they're going somewhere so how do we ensure that the places in which they will arrive at is, is actually a safe welcoming place and I mean across all values and ideologies and political beliefs we all understand that young people all of us really deserve a shot at success yeah and a lot of that is around access the other opportunity i think that the scooter um lifts for us is what i mentioned a bit earlier 
is opening up um, dialogue. Yeah. Opening up dialogue around how do we ensure that the next generation of Detroiters has access to everything that this city has to offer. Yeah. Right. That's the so when opportunity is, is not random, many of us participate fully in society. Unfortunately, many of our friends and our neighbors and our colleagues don't have an opportunity to do yeah, so. Yeah, uh, James, we had a caller who talked about uh, mobility as a civil right, uh, this idea of being able to get around. Uh, th- that's a key concept to some of the sort of agency, I think, that, that, that you want Detroiters to be able to have. But it's a, it's a concept I guess I haven't heard articulated as specifically as that before. Yeah, and so, you know, there's, Really two things, you know, I talked earlier about the themes of, you know, Detroit getting these ingredients it didn't necessarily ask for. Um, we are now as a city experiencing kind of a an influx of capitalism and market driven ideas that we're that haven't really been a part of this conversation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, five years ago, a bird or a lion might have looked at the map and said, Detroit, nah. And just kind of went and gone where they thought that there was more yeah, opportunity. Right. So now that we're getting a lot of those market-driven solutions dumped, you know, not dumped, but introduced to us, um, you then start with how the data looks at, you know, if I'm a startup, I got to go where there's density. Mm-hmm. I got to go with why I think I created this thing and what I think it's for and who I think it's for and where I can leverage those resources best. That conversation, that thought process, whether we're talking about housing or, you know, entertainment or, you know, retail, whatever it is, often focuses on downtown because yeah. that's our emerging market from mm-hmm. a data perspective. And then it it's becomes on us and on them at some point, but really on us to, to help shed light on the fact that, no, there's actually a lot more opportunity here. Yeah. And, you know, when I got asked to be on the show, you know, it's yesterday afternoon, I started formulating my thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I go pick up my daughter from daycare mm-hmm. on Six Mile and Schaefer. Mm-hmm. And we're driving down Schaefer. And I see this young brother, about 19, 20 years old. And he's, you know, he's not scooting. He's not carrying. He's straight up liming down the Is road. right? In his scooter, just like <laughs> you see somebody on Fort Street. Right. For him, this was a transit solution. Yeah. And yeah. so back to Andy's point, if we can share like, okay, you might have thought going in your only opportunity was downtown, but a charging station at this bus route or at this grocery store actually creates revenue right. and opportunity and solutions for the folks in that neighborhood, then that's where we have an opportunity to really take the conversation. Yeah. Because yeah. a scooter can be, you know, one of the most lowest access to barriers education of, of, of transportation, oh, transportation you have. You have sure. And then you get back into that other conversation of like what economic opportunities are possible around this from the maintenance to the charging to the repair. I know there's brothers and sisters in the hood <laughs> that can fix a scooter. Yeah, They right? fix all kind yeah. of stuff every day. They build cars yeah. from scratch. Right. And so you take that and then you get to that higher level of, you know, as we're looking at our startup community here, how do you think, okay, I can start a scooter network where I leave a bunch of scooters somewhere. Right. You right, know? Right. That's where we can get to. That's how we can do it. All right. Uh, Andy DeRossi, founder of the Detroit Bus Company. James Fegan, local entrepreneur and consultant. David McGee, program director for the Skillman Foundation's Youth Development and Youth Employment. Thanks very much for being here on Detroit Today. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, the community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.